everyone, and welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Justine. And I'm Ashley. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. That was a real thinker. You doing okay? It's Halloween. <gasps> oh, you're feeling spooky. Well, I'm feeling like I can be anybody. Ooh. Ooh. I really need to figure out what Xander's Halloween costume is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, that's important. Like, of things of importance on a list. Yeah. It's, I mean, we've, we've set a bar. Yeah. That's a thing. Right <laughs> out of the gate, you're like, best thing ever. <laughs> Lynn Manuel's on my dock. Yep. Okay. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to our podcast again, or for the first time. I don't normally speak like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Oh, we're watching rom-coms on occasion. We're studying the genre in chronological order. Ashley and I, we're filmmakers. We're ladies. We live here in L.A., we're looking at each other in the eyes right now. <laughs> it's a little weird. A little weird. It's just like, are you telling them our life story? This is the story yeah, of a girl. Us. Cry to river and drown the, the whole, whole world. world. The podcast. Because this movie is so sad. No. So bad. <gasps> huh. Oh, that's our theme song. Cut, print, take. Yeah. What are we watching today, Ashley? <laughs> today we're watching 2002's Secretary. And we're very excited for it. Yes. This one we have expectations. There are there are some sexy expectations. Sexpectations. Sexpectations. <laughs> oh. Oh. No penis though. I don't remember penis being in this. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. I don't think there's anything like explicitly shown. I don't remember. But it's not one you want to watch with your parents. No. 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 Well, the description mm -hmm. on IMDb for this movie is a young woman recently released from a mental hospital gets a job as a secretary to a demanding lawyer where their employer-employee relationship turns into a sexual, that's a word, <laughs> sexual sadomasochistic one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I'm like, do we have to say that she's recently released from a mental hospital? But I guess that plays into the story. Yeah. She, what is it? She's a cutter, I forget. Yeah, she's a cutter. Yeah. That's why she gets pleasure from the pain. She gets pleasure from pain. She's a submissive. So yeah. we're just like slowly recounting what we remember yeah. of the movie. I just remember over the desk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember really enjoying this movie, though. So, but like really enjoying this. <laughs> no, like like from an artistic, like sexual awakening kind of way. Because mm. it was still a teen. It was say the second or third year of college, so mm -hmm. it was like eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. So. Okay. You know, there's some themes. Yeah, themes here. Themes. Uh, this movie stars James Spader, who we previously saw in Pretty in Pink, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Ow. The Gyllenhaal herself. <laughs> <laughs> the original. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Uh, it was also starring Jeremy Davis. Davies? Davies. Davies. It was directed by Stephen Shanberg. And the editor was Pam Wise, who had an additional editor, which was Jay Rabowitz. Rabinowitz. Rabinowitz. I can't say names. I'm Not sorry. Not today. Um, we had several assistant editors here. Uh, going down the list, it's Nadia Frazala. Fugaza. Zaza. Fugaza. Fugaza. 
Oh my God, I can't say names. Matt. Mattia. Mattia. Romero. Romeo. Romeo. It looks like Romeo. That's uh, what I said. Greg Tennant. Yeah. <laughs> Kenneth Watchell. And the apprentice editor was Jamie Governell. Governall. Governail. Governail. <laughs> you know, names. Names. People have them. We No read one them could poorly. pronounce my name. It's just payback. My yeah. maiden name. Yeah. People get my name wrong all the time. Well, I have now the most whitest name ever. Yeah, basic white girl. <laughs> um, it's an hour and 47 minutes long. It's rated... R. It's hard R. For strong sexuality, some nudity, depiction of behavioral disorders... Cutting. And language. Okay. 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 Give us that R. <laughs> <laughs> it has a 7 out of 10 IMDb rating and a 63 meta score mm-hmm. on the internets. Um, at the 2003 Golden Globe Awards, it was nominated for Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture, Comedy or Musical for Maggie Gyllenhaal. At the Sundance Film Festival for, two th- uh, for 2002, um, it won special jury prize for a dramatic uh, original picture for Steven Schonberg. And it was nominated for the grand jury prize for a dramatic just individual. Yeah. That's secretary. Secretary. We're in for a spanking good time. Ah! Oh, my God. You're so punny today. <laughs> <laughs> uh- <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I, I'm really excited. I'm like, yes. You're, you're quaking over there. Not like in that way, but let's go. Let's go. Let's go. One, two, two three, four. Mama was saying, it's the cat version. Yeah. Secretary. Secretary. You've been secretaried. Sex. Secretary. First thoughts? First thoughts. You know, I'm actually having a thought of like, I like how last year the movie uh, Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman came out, which was another uh, positive BDSM movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, we're still going. <laughs> And, and it just reminded me of that, except, like, with that one, you get, like, kind of more of, like, a, a history to it. So it relates to that, which is a movie I love. And I feel like, okay, so when I first saw this movie, maybe in, like, 2008 or so, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I'm like, this is, like, a movie I've never seen before. Like, it's so unique. Yeah. That, like, I feel like back then I was just like, what am I witnessing? <laughs> yeah, like, the first, your first go-to is, is he beating her? Because he hates her. Mm-hmm. But it, that's the thing is, it's not outright, it's not violent when he starts doing it. Mm-hmm. There's this weird implied consent in that scene. Yeah, and they've had an understanding previously about how they feel about self-pain. Yeah, yeah, he definitely connected with her, but obviously cutting is yeah very unhealthy. Yeah, I feel like 
we all I feel like we all know what BDSM is now because of the Try Guys. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's like where most people can like base off of Mm -hmm. how we can talk about it in our culture. That there's like the consent, which is very important. Yes. And, you know, going through safety being important and the final aftercare, which is super, super important, which this movie doesn't really address. It doesn't until the very end. The very end, which you think that was that what she was lacking of the whole thing was the aftercare. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Because it, it tore, you know, they're, when they're exploring the, the, the pain aspect of it, it really felt like he was, for lack of a better term, getting his rocks off mm-hmm. on being able to hit her. Mm-hmm. And that was getting out his idea of BDSM. Yeah. But if for her, it was replacing the cutting. It was, it was just taking one addiction for another. Mm-hmm. Instead of really, she wasn't processing what that actually meant for her. Yeah. I don't think until the scene with the worm. where Or the masturbation scene. Yeah. Where yeah. she starts linking it to yeah. the pleasure. Yeah. Where she's masturbating, thinking of him. And then when he jerks off on her and then she goes and masturbates in the bathroom. Yeah. It's just like that point you're like, you guys could be doing that. Together. together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be a part of the the whole I'm gonna say the circle of life. <laughs> well, and I think this what I like about it, what I connect with this is the way that this explores stigma mm-hmm. in a way. Very subtle. It's not they don't have outright conversations about what the rules are. Mm-hmm. But I think we as an audience know what the rules are because we're shown them. It's it's less is more. In, in that regard. And I think that's kind of what's nice about it because you're experiencing, you're learning with the characters what the, the actual yeah. rules are. And what they uh, exploring, I think, more importantly with her, where she gets pleasure from. Yeah. Because she hadn't had that before. Well, I think her, the cutting for her was the release yeah i think it was a release but it wasn't like it wasn't a pleasure release it was a release of every emotion Mm -hmm. because her dad was a abusive drunk and you know how do you process that like how do you process your dad hitting your mom Mm -hmm. and then also like having stigma linked to maybe she did feel there's that sense of pleasure in relief Mm -hmm. so like when she puts the the hot kettle on her thigh and it's very very painful at the beginning but then you see this sense of calm catharsis catharsis kind of yeah envelop on her face Mm -hmm. and so to me it was maybe it's always been a link Mm-hmm. to pleasure she just wasn't cogni- cognizant of it yeah where there is really there's pleasure in release and relief relief of that not being able to deal with or process those really heavy emotions and some people it's just it's too overwhelming it's too overstimulating so you need to direct that into something mm-hmm. so for some people it's cutting for some people it's drawing for there's just layers Mm -hmm. this movie is like an onion yeah 
onion movies. Yeah. But it, it definitely explores like the idea of, of stigma in that the reason that the they're not tying this into a healthy relationship is because they don't view what they're doing as healthy. Yeah. He views it as disgusting and she views it as just a way to cope. Mm-hmm. Which I think it can be a way to cope. Yeah, and I think that ties into, you know, regular rom-com tropes of people not expressing the feelings. The whole, like, we're going to dance around the whole liking each other thing or saying the thing that we really want to say, you know, through the whole movie. And then you as the audience are just like, just just smoosh. Just go face to face together. Smoosh together, please. (laughs) <laughs> smoosh the squishy part. Smooshy, smooshy. <laughs> <laughs> there was some smooshing in this. Yes, I just like the subtlety of it. I, I there's there's nothing nothing was done for shock value, right? Which isn't that all what Fifty Shades is? I guess. I mean, we're gonna have to watch it. I know. I'll go from the standpoint of something that I've seen. I haven't seen Fifty Shades, but let's say the second season of The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. this year lots of things were done to move the plot along that were for shock value mm-hmm. that we didn't necessarily need as an audience t- to witness mm-hmm. we already lived in this world of, of sh- shocking things happening but the audience knows as soon as she enters that room the audience knew what was going to happen so why did we need to see it mm-hmm. so in this where it could go the complete violent way during that spanking scene the first one because we as an audience kind of know what's going to happen Mm -hmm. i feel like because the position that she's in (laughs) elicits that you either think that he's going to fuck her or he's going to to spank her yeah it's fully clothed and he's not really hitting her in with full force He's hitting her with enough force, mm-hmm. but not full force. You know he's not beating on her. Right. There's no nothing negative going on here. Like that's the I think that's there's that tone shift. There's just that subtlety to where this doesn't come off negative. And it it's very hard to ride that that line. And I think that that's something that you know, movies like 50 Shades of Grey do go too far. Because they don't necessarily know what it means to be in a BDSM relationship. Mm-hmm. Or it's there to just be shocking. It's not, it's not, it's used as a plot device rather than an actual human experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Human experience. Yeah. Which this felt like a true experience. Just people learning how to get their kinks under control. <laughs> yeah. And... I feel like he came up with it because he knows that she cuts and that she uses it to kind of take the blame for things. So, like, he's like, well, you're doing these spelling mistakes and typos. So let's... And he's doing the correction thing. Yeah. Dominating her, you know. Yeah. Well, and displaying. Mm -hmm. Displaying her mistakes around her. And it's not really... But she's not... She's not ashamed of her mistakes. No, she's a very happy uh, submissive. <laughs> yeah. No, she's she's very... She discovers herself. I really... Because even in her her body 
her the way she carries her body oh yeah the way that she presents herself is so different yeah there's such a transformation of character in the yeah. six months depicted i mean it starts out showing what she becomes and then it goes backwards yeah you know to the start of the story yeah her purple rain cloak yeah it's very kitty. It's very like, I'm not grown up. I'm not responsible. Yeah. I don't know who I am yet. Yeah. Her bedroom looks just like my childhood bedroom. <laughs> like the purple paint and uh-huh. the, the, the fairy lights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the fairy lights. She, he allows her to grow up yeah. when nobody else has. Yeah. The thing about his dominance is it's dominating with love. Like I was reading on here, like one of the reviews said that which I really like as a, a way of explaining this, that it's not about self pain or torture. It's about what pain can, can heal hmm. uh, f- from the right hand. Right. And at the end when she talks about all of her scars and feeling so beautiful. Yeah. Like that. I think that that's kind of what the message is. is it's not the pain is healing her. Mm-hmm. It's healing, you know, whatever disconnect she was having and the the depression, the emotion, the the psychological aspects, like not being able to feel connected to her body. Mm-hmm. It heals that for her. And that's something I think is good. Yeah. Totally. They had a positive relationship. Yeah, no, there's 100% nothing really negative. I just... It took them a little while to get there. Yeah. To, you know, wrap their heads around it. Well, and I think that's just because where he was coming from, Mm -hmm. you know, being dominating like that, being that aggressive is, is, can be considered toxic and can go in a direction that isn't healthy. Well, we see that he's had women before. Yeah. I think it's alluded to that he went too far Mm -hmm. or he reaches a point where he doesn't have the partner. Yeah. They're not the same. Yeah. What I liked about this is, is it explored. There's different aspects of being a dominant and a submissive. It's not just hitting. It's not just, you know, weird sex play. Yeah. Weird in like terms of like the guy who wanted to pinch her nipples right away. Yeah. 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 Um, the guy who wanted her to throw tomatoes at yeah. her, or at least tied like, to a stove. There's all of these types of kinks, and when you find the person that you that can link up with those kinks, good things can happen. Yeah, you start to like even like I didn't even know that was inside of me. Yeah, well, and it gave her so much self confidence. Mm-hmm. Like that was what's interesting. Like it's m- mind boggling for me because you know I'm not I don't respond well to <laughs> anything like that. Yeah. So like, I like that it's so it's showing that positive heal, like healing aspect of it and, and just giving her this beautiful self-confidence in herself to, you know, not only be submissive to towards him, but to even stand up to him when he's like scared. Yeah. Like, cause that's what I got from him is it's more, he's scared yeah. of what this is doing rather than yeah. seeing how it's helping her. And then also how it's helping him. Yeah. And I like that at the end, it shows that they've got a normal life and nobody, you know, would ever know. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 
like they're they're taking care of each other's needs and mm-hmm. they've it's like this mutual agreed upon relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works. Yep. So let's see. We talked about the opening tracking shot with her in. I don't know what that's called. The crossbar the thing. The rack. Yeah. It just looks like a hockey net. Like, <laughs> like your arms are tied to the, yeah. the pole stretching mm-hmm. your arms out. Yeah. And then we see her getting released from the institution. She liked the institution. Gave her structure. Yeah. Life was simple. <laughs> her name's Lee. BT yeah. Dubs. Lee. It's her sister's wedding, which nothing really comes about that except, you know, she just meets Peter at the wedding. Yeah. Who she went to high school with. Yeah. Now he's just, you know, grown up. It's been a while since high school. Yeah. And she's been in the institution for an indefinite amount of time. Yeah. And she has a little relation moment with him where he's like, oh, yeah, I had a breakdown. (laughs) She's like, yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah. Let's dance. We see right away that at the wedding that her dad's an alcoholic. He has problem. Majorly. Yeah. And this is the inciting thing that causes her to cut. Now, I don't know why this wasn't addressed at her therapy. I mean, the time period for the movie is not addressed. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've learned a lot about pain Mm -hmm. and how it links to not only pleasure but also release we've learned a lot about cutting in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. just on the psychology psychological level maybe they didn't go deep enough like sometimes in those institutions they're they're there for emergency purposes and they don't necessarily that's what outpatient therapy is for Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know it seems like they didn't understand what she was doing because pretty much she got caught just Cutting her her arm. With a knife in the kitchen. Yeah. Instead of her actual tools that she uses. And, you know, she had a little accident. So they thought, like me, she was suicidal. Yeah. So I think maybe treating her as a depressive suicidal person instead of a kind of like ceremonial cutter as she does. Yeah. Yeah. Because the way she does it has a lot of ceremony to it, I think. Yes. No, there's definitely a process to it, which yeah. is probably why she responded well to the structure. Yeah. Because that's what is helping. Yeah. It's giving her order. Yeah. And so did the job. Yeah. And it's good that she decided to get a job. She did the typing lessons. She's great at. Oh, and she had been cutting since seventh grade. So she just, it became part of her life. Yeah. Well, and she probably didn't even really think about it all that much on why she was doing it. The why. Like she'd been doing it since she was in seventh grade. Yeah. Like, there, it, it could be just, like, an unconscious decision that just became part of her natural order in life. Or, I mean, I don't think that the mental, the mental health aspect of this was explored mm-hmm. a lot. I didn't really necessarily need it because this was more about self-discovery rather than an issues movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's why in the, like the description, I don't like how it's like recently released mental, yeah. and I'm like, leave that out of it. As her being in a, a BDSM relationship has nothing to do with her having mental problems. No, like yeah, that's it's separate. not. There's like, there's not a link there. Yeah, one might help the other, but it's yeah. not because of one. Right. That's why I feel like the description kind of tosses in like people in kinky relationships are mentally unwell. Yeah, it's like no, no, <laughs> like there's. There's definitely unhealthy relationships, which yeah. we, we talk about a lot 
on this podcast. This is not an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. She just has an unhealthy relationship with herself. Herself, yes. She's discovering her body in yeah. this. So, and I think, I loved the way that even Maggie Gyllenhaal's face changed mm. throughout. She's so good. The scene that everybody uses as an example in film school, there's a scene in Superman where Clark Kent becomes Superman. Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve, Superman. And he takes the glasses off and the way that he repositions his body mm-hmm. just shifts completely. It's And it's not, it wasn't a direct a directorial decision. This was Christopher Reeve's decision. He decided to carry himself differently as Superman versus Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. So when he takes the glasses, his glasses off, there's that automatic character shift. Mm-hmm. And that's what like great actors do. They do use physical cues to really show, because humans are very visual creatures. We pick up on body language as a storytelling device almost instantaneously. We don't really realize that we're doing it unless you're like really focusing in on what your brain is doing, mm-hmm. like where yeah. your eyes are going. Yeah. So like the way that everything changed throughout and then like it just kind of glided. Mm-hmm. She just kind of glided into her, I don't want to say womanhood. I knew you were going to But like her self herself or her presence yeah her, her self self-identity identity that's the word i was looking for yeah. yeah so like there was just that really subtleness and i felt like he had something similar going on too like the way that he would watch her oh yeah like the voyeurness of it all mm-hmm. at first and then like the fascination becoming something more it never really it, it kind it teetered on the edge of creepy mm-hmm but we don't get a lot of his POV. Like, no. we don't get, like... It's all from her, pretty much. I yeah. mean, we have scenes with him, but we never feel like... He's not the one who's telling the story. Yeah. She is. Which I like. And so when we have those moments of, of from his perspective, the, like, the voyeur scenes, and then when he sees her her scar or her, her legs with the Band-Aids on it the first time, and mm-hmm. just those really subtle glances... It gives you the impression that he is not comfortable with himself, but yet he still wants that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like where you teeter on the edge of, is he a serial killer or is he like just kinky? <laughs> so I think it, it just works. Yeah. Whatever it is, it just works. Yeah. So when she applies for the secretary position with Mr. Gray, uh, he asked her. Do you think she stole it? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'll say yeah. <laughs> Why not? He asked her a bunch of personal questions that are a little weird. Like, do you plan on, are you pregnant? Do you plan on becoming pregnant? Where do you live? You Aren't know. they very illegal questions? Yes. You're not allowed to ask these questions yeah. at all. That's again, like him, he's wanting to break the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's also wanting to see where her line is, I think. Yeah. It's the, it's the my office, my rules. Yeah. Sort of dominant setup in the beginning. Yeah. For me, it's it's dominance, but it's not like dick swinging. No, it's that's why it's so hard to explain because yeah. it's 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 just kind of that thing that you innately you you can know you can recognize the difference. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably because he's quiet. Mm-hmm. He's not menacing. He's matter of fact. His voice is very quiet. He's not over the top. He's not. Trying to be Alec Baldwin in fucking Glengarry Glengarry Glen Glengarry Glen Glen Ross. Ross, yeah. 
and I think he always offers kind of like a way out. Yes. Like you don't have to do it. Yeah. Like when uh, one of the next scenes is I threw away my notes. Could you? And she goes, should I dig in the trash for them? It's like, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. And then he watches her dig in the trash. Yeah. He's never commanding. He's, yeah, you're right. He's never commanding. He's asking. Yeah. And then like after he didn't need the notes. Yeah. And her reaction to it of like, it wasn't angry. She just, she wanted to do it. Yeah. It's an interesting connection. It's an interesting dynamic. Because the the thing about it is when the spanking actually starts happening, he doesn't actually tell her that that's what he's going to do. He doesn't ask her. He doesn't necessarily get consent. Like, there's an implied consent, I feel like, Mm -hmm. in that, in, in those specific scenes. That's why I'm like, did it, I'm thinking of it from a point of view of now, like, did this age well like should Mm -hmm. he have gotten consent Mm -hmm. because he is her boss like in this era right now yep with everything that's going on this he would be bad yeah he would be vilified for it even though there is this in this there's this gray area (laughs) pun intended it's that's why I think it's something that, that that gets talked about a lot. It's it's the hard area to quantify, to vilify, or to to praise. Yeah, in a couple scenes, she is at her desk going to cut herself. Yes. So I feel like that is where the boundary lines start getting a little shaky. This is before the spanking. Yeah. This is before their conversation. She gets a call from her dad, you know, and then that triggers her to. Because well, her dad has ran off yeah. and is just MIA. <laughs> yeah. Wandering around being an alcoholic yeah. on the streets. Like, they don't know if he's alive or dead. Yeah. So she starts cutting at her desk and he sees her and, like, she knows that he knows that sort of thing. Yeah. And then then she's got, like, a date with Peter. <gasps> I forgot about this date. This is the weird laundromat. Yeah, the laundromat restaurant. Dinner date. Tidy whitey. Throwaway. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Gray shows up and he peeps them, throwing away his tidy whities Yeah. Because they squeeze your testicles. And then and, and Peter kisses her. And he, Mr. Gray does not like that. No. Gray is upset. Yeah. And he takes that red pen to her typing and he berates her. And she does the thing where she cuts her skirt as an offering. Yeah, I didn't. I, I'm still trying to figure out the skirt thing. I've never quite understood it. Mm-hmm. If it was a way for her to cut without cutting, yeah, maybe because she puts it on her typewriter mm-hmm. as if to say I'm bad or I did terrible or so that's why that that's why I'm leaning towards this is her way of cutting without cutting, but mm-hmm. at the same time I'm not one hundred percent sure. Yeah, and then he berates her for her appearance. Her appearance, yeah, the way she looks that she's. Always sniffling and tapping her toes and touching her hair. And just that the way she looks is disgusting. And that she needs to be a visual presentation of the business. Yeah. Do you think that's how he it was feeling inside? Like he's externalizing what his feelings are onto her? Yeah. Where he has these urges. Because he uses disgusting symbolically right. throughout this he he calls himself disgusting he calls himself disgusting yeah that's what i'm saying like do you think he's when he's telling her that he's not really saying that to her he's saying that about himself 
so that she puts on a different face so that he can feel better about himself. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, definitely because of the use of the word. Yeah. And then like a few scenes later, he calls her into the library and that's where they have this talk that really kind of breaks down the barriers. Yeah. The whole like the phone is ringing and and practice and being loud and in control it's like he's granting this gift to her he's giving her permission yes that's the very very important thing yeah that he says that he's also shy he overcomes it and he allows her to feel free and tells her that she will never cut again and tells her gives her permission to leave work early don't take a ride from your mom walk home it's interesting now like while we're going through this that his only commands mm-hmm. are of self-care. Mm. It's interesting. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that, but like that's the maybe that's why mm-hmm. it gives us that implied consent. It gives it gives us that idea that nothing is malicious because everything that he's doing is about making sure that she's okay. Yeah, physically. and that's a part of the BDSM culture. Yes, is making sure your partner is okay. Yeah, that's the subtlety. The walk home. She walks home and she feels like she's never felt before. Yeah. She doesn't feel alone. And she feels, you know, that he gave her permission to feel this way. In yeah. a way that she likes feeling. Yeah. He gave her permission to take care of herself. Yes. She probably hasn't had mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody is just like so maybe worried about her. Yeah. Well, and she, he gave her a permission, permission to feel. Mm-hmm. There's this interesting thing that actually Sharon told me in college. Mm-hmm. When you get in your head about a lot of things, like, and you know that you should quit something that's bad for you or, or something that you know innately, but you just can't, mm-hmm. you need somebody to give you permission to do it. Yes. You know, she did that for me for a job mm-hmm. once. And I, that's kind of something that I've always kept in the back of my mind, like, how do you reach out to somebody for permission? Because it's not something that... Yeah, I feel that. And it's just like, that's why I like talking things out. It's yeah. not like I need you to tell me what to do. It's just like, I know, I already know, like, deep down inside what yeah. I want to do. Yeah. It's just if you tell me something and I'm like, yep, that's it. That's the <laughs> thing that is, is like, my little, like, compass is... Well, it's like reg- it takes, it, it yeah. makes it so you're not alone mm-hmm. in it. And it's not like you're doing anything wrong. There's an external force that's giving you this gift, mm-hmm. I guess. To not only acknowledge that part of you, even though it feels so incredibly uncomfortable to, to acknowledge. Like, it's shitty when you have to walk away from things. It's shitty when you, you have this perfect idea of your, yourself completing everything and doing everything perfectly. But we're human. We can't do that. Mm-hmm. So while, while we have these idyllic notions, we need somebody to kind of ground us. Yeah. Which I think was also yeah. here. Because everything was in the office was nature. Yes, I love the set design yeah. of The Office. There's a whole part of it on Wikipedia. Wow. Yeah. The yeah. set deck said that she put a lot of effort into, like a lot of thought and mm-hmm. effort into the, the sets and what, like the meaning behind certain things. Excellent. Everybody yeah. go check that out. So she's still making mistakes. So this is where the spanking scene comes. Mm-hmm. The bring the letter to me. Put it on the desk, bend over, read it. And then he starts spanking her. Yeah. 
But then, like, at that cathartic release moment where he's, like, bent over and then she just grabs his, his finger. pinky, or with her pinky. With yeah. her pinky. It's like, that pinky grab, like, says it all. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking subtle. Mm-hmm. There are not many movies made like this. Yeah. It's, it's h- rare. Especially surrounding something about sex. Yeah. Sex is normally, like, the explicit thing because sex sells and we're gonna do it all the time and do it explicitly and blah, blah, blah. And someone's gonna get hurt. And somebody's gonna get hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the drama. Yeah. I don't feel like anybody necessarily got hurt. I felt like they were processing of emotion. Right, I was just about to say they were processing to take the next steps. Yes. That's what it was. Yeah. It was never... I never felt like anybody was malicious. I felt like... Or manipulative. Or manipulative. It was just something that felt very natural Mm -hmm. to feel, like, to have feelings like this. Yeah. Even his feelings, like, I understood. So, take a page out of this fucking book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. She gets rid of her cutting supplies. Yes. For good. And then we've got... The Amelie scene. Yeah. Then we've got a bit of a montage with her being dominated in various ways. Yeah. And her, you know developing you know her little makeover of self and posture and just wonderful even her shoes change Mm -hmm. we have her masturbating thinking of gray somewhat thinking of peter and but that doesn't work so she's like no 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 back to gray back to gray (laughs) i felt like peter was safe like that was the 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 assumption was that yeah like even he was in these brown kind of not so bright and happy, colorful mm-hmm. things where w- this whole scene is, it's kind of a, an erotic fantasy. So there's lots of flowers. There's lots of mm-hmm. uh, color and nature. It's highly saturated. She's wearing yeah. red. Highly saturated. So in some aspects, oversaturated. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Spader had the blue suit. I remember I was a little like, holy shit, there's lots of color all of a sudden. Yeah. That's how we masturbate with just lots of like vivid colors. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's just explosions <laughs> everywhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that the idea that he was safe in putting him in earth tones. Yeah. Kind of was interesting. He was blah. Yeah. Just bland mm-hmm. as opposed to. This he was oatmeal. <laughs> yep. There you go. <laughs> Poor Peter. He's oatmeal. Some people like oatmeal. Nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with oatmeal. No. Then she starts purposefully making mistakes and leaving in mistakes. But then Mr. Gray either doesn't notice or kind of starts spurning her advances. I think he noticed. I think he noticed that it was on purpose. Yeah. Which is not not as kinky. No. This is where he's like, we can't do this 24-7. Yeah. I wonder if he thought she's not taking care of herself afterwards. Like it's taking the place of the cutting where now it's becoming damaging. Maybe. I don't know. She goes to him when he's at home and he turns her away. Yeah. And then just really starts treating her like a secretary and completely stops. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's twofold. I think he's realizing that what she's doing isn't, she's not giving herself any She's not taking care of herself. Right. It's all for... It's all for the, the pain release. Yeah. It's taking the place of the cutting instead of what he's trying to offer her. Whereas mm-hmm. this is your release, but also you're going to take care of your fucking self. Mm-hmm. And then he's also feeling like it's wrong. 
Yeah, this is, he's starting to think it's disgusting what he's doing. Yeah. She is uh, making out with Peter, and she wants to be spanked by him. He doesn't know what to do with his hands in general. No, like, what? He was, like, slapping her. What was that? He was just, like, orchestrating. Oh, he was performing a a magic magic show. Well, that's when they were having sex. She finally is just like, okay, we can do it, but I keep my clothes on. Yeah. The lights are off. And he's like, yeah. And then just like standard missionary style. And she's just like, uh huh. Uh. Faking faking it. Fake. And he's like, uh. uh." And then just like his hand is like, yeah. (laughs) So weird. And he's like, did I hurt you? She's like, nah. (sighs) Yeah. She was not amused. Mm -mm, It was no. Bueno. So then Mr. Gray gets the worm from her in a letter and he circles the worm with the red pen and he calls her in and demands that she pulls up her skirt. Yeah. But also assures her, I'm not going to fuck you. There was an interesting, like he didn't want to cross any lines. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know, for me in this situation, you go like, is he lying? Is he lying? Is he lying? And could she be turned on by this? Oh, like turned on by him saying what he's not going to do? Yeah. I can see that. I can see that fulfilling some type of fantasy mm-hmm. where she's getting the buildup of the tension, but none of the, the, the release. Yeah. I think with him masturbating and then like coming on her, it's not to me. She's not participatory in that. No, she's not. So I feel like that's unsatisfactory, which I feel is why she goes into the bathroom right after and then masturbates. Yes. It's just interesting, like, why that choice is made instead of choosing to do it together, like you said earlier. Mm -hmm. Like, they can gratify both of their urges. Yeah. (laughs) Like, if he wants to masturbate, she can be a part of that. Yes. No, I just feel like he didn't necessarily want to cross the line. Like, he was feeling like that for sure, mm-hmm. would be assault. Yeah. Or manipulative assault. Yeah, it's the whole thing where they need to talk about what they want. Yes. They have not explicitly set any boundaries. Yeah. But I think that's on him because she's trying to. She's trying to have these conversations with him. Yeah. She's trying to, you know, show him what she wants. Mm-hmm while being still submissive Mm -hmm. she's doing the submissive where it's the coy aspect of it where it's not demanding what she wants right i still think he is picking up on it but i think he finds himself so disgusting Mm -hmm. at this point that he knows he needs to stop yeah otherwise he's not going to yeah or he's gonna cross a line and then you can never come back from that yeah that's a thing there's so much depth. They gave him a lot of depth as as just a male dominant character. Like there's so many stereotypes that you can fall back on to play this type of role. I didn't feel like it was James Spader. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know what a fuckwit James Spader was in Pretty in Pink. Yeah. So, and I didn't feel that mm-hmm. in this. I felt like, yeah, there were times where he was menacing, but it's for the the gratification of it it's not for the need to control her life or or her Mm. sense of being that's what 50 shades is it's about that mr gray 
completely controlling the life of that other woman. Well, it's Twilight fan fiction. Yeah. So. <laughs> Not even get started there. <laughs> so after that, Grey takes down like all of the, what do we call them? Her mistakes. Her mistakes from the walls. He burns the photos. Her wall of shame. Yeah. He does the interview questions from the beginning all over again with her. And then says, well, I'm not going to offer you the job because your behavior is very bad and you're fired. And then she slaps him and he says that it's all been a terrible mistake. And so that she's fired. Gotta go. Get out. Yeah. So then he hires someone new. And then that's when she tries to like fill that hole of finding other. Other masochists. (laughs) Other masochists. Which doesn't work out. And then Peter proposes to her, which she doesn't even like. She's like, and then I guess this happened. And then all of a sudden, I was wearing a wedding dress, you know? Like, Yeah. Well, she starts to lose herself. Yeah. It's just like time starts like devolving. Yeah. For well, her. she starts to regress back into not having any structure mm-hmm. and not really knowing what her role mm-hmm. is. Yeah. It's like when Ashley's on hiatus. Pretty much. <laughs> so... Yeah, she's looking at herself in her wedding dress and she just like snaps, you know, Yeah, runs down to Peter, gives him back the ring, then runs to the office and she's like, I love you. And he goes, "I we can't do this. And she's like, why not? And he doesn't have an answer for her. Yeah. She sits down at the desk and he starts doing it again. You know, put your palms down. Don't move your feet. And she goes, I want to make love. And then he says, well, stay, stay there until I come back. Yeah. Because he has to process his shit. Mm-hmm. You think he's testing her? I think he's trying to see... Because he calls Peter. Yes. He's trying to see if she's telling... The, like, if she, that's something that she really wants. Mm-hmm. He has to trust that yes. what they're doing... Because he finds it so disgusting. Because he finds himself so disgusting. He has to trust mm-hmm. that that's really... That she really does love him yeah through this yeah. through something that he finds if so deplorable yeah if he's gonna give he, if he's gonna feel the same freedom and let himself go into it he yeah. needs that trusting partner yeah exactly mm. so she already has gotten the trust from him mm-hmm. it's it's all about his internal struggle i think that's what this is mm-hmm. this is nothing to do with her yeah it has everything to do with him developing not only the trust within himself but the trust for her. Yeah. Peter shows up, tries to forcibly move her and she fights him off and just goes, I don't want you. Yeah. GTFO, Peter. (laughs) People try and convince her to move. The news comes. It's like three days later. They're calling it a hunger strike. Then after all that, he does show up. Yeah. He lifts her heads and and starts her a smoothie. Yeah. Takes care of her. Yeah. Carries her and... There's this narration from her that she feels love in the way that feels right for her. Yeah. And with him. And if he could love her. That that heals the, the scars that she has. Yeah. And he bathes her and he cares for her. And then there's all the sensual key scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Though there's no, like, explicit sex. No. It's all sensual. It's all sensual. The only time that it's, like, explicit is when she's tied to the tree and it's used for com- comedic relief. That's their honeymoon. I know. That's why I'm saying <laughs> yeah. it's, it's for comedic relief. Yeah. June wedding. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only time we see them fucking. Yeah. No. And that's what I was 
remembering mm-hmm. like in the the beginning where I'm like I don't think we even really see much of anything like we we do we see, see her we her see naked. her naked at the end yeah but I didn't feel like that was graphic self- I didn't think it was graphic or even just it didn't come off as the male gaze no no it did not it came off as she was free she was free and then you know what I really like she's asking the questions at the end of him and he answers and that's I feel like he's letting her know him yeah that's that's the point where he's saying no I I'm with you on this yeah then they get married, they have a house, they make the beds together, they have a normal life, and it's just kinky if you know what to look for. Yeah. It's kinky, but everybody's happy. Yeah. Nobody's getting hurt. No. Oh. Nobody's feelings are manipulated. Yeah. There's very good communication. Yeah. That's all they were missing. It's like yeah. they had like that BDSM circle of life and they were just kind of missing like a couple key parts in it but they just needed to figure it out together yeah because of the because of the stigma that they were holding yeah well he specifically like i don't i think that's this is interesting is she came from it from a very innocent point of view Mm -hmm. she didn't have the same type of stigma towards this that he did Mm -hmm. which is why it was so much more difficult for him because when you think about it self-stigma is way worse Mm -hmm. than any of the other types of stigma self-stigma is the one thing that will 100 percent hold you back yeah because it limit you are limiting yourself and it's the hardest thing to to let go of those those beliefs that you have created for yourself Mm -hmm. so I, i really like appreciate the story for that because a lot of times we don't get well-rounded male characters like this totally that are that allow them to show this internal struggle Mm -hmm. it's relevant now Mm -hmm. i think it could use a little bit of updating yes because there needs to be instead of implied consent there needs to be for sure consent yeah it definitely there's that blurry line yeah for lack of a better term oh god yes this is the type of stuff that we have to talk about. Yeah. Because I think it gets brought up with specifically the, the Aziz and Sari accusation where it's perception. Yeah. 90% of that is based on perception, mm-hmm. not any type of manipulation or malice. It's how the person viewed the date. And at least my feeling, I don't, I wasn't there. I'm not going to say that everything was in the wrong. It just, for me, that's what that comes off as. If we can't have a conversation about perception without allowing somebody to grow and make mistakes, mm-hmm. then what are we saying about ourselves as a society? Like, yeah. what do, that does so much internal damage that, that I don't, I think that's far more unhealthy than to put everybody up in arms over everything. And I, I'm 100% a victim advocate, and I don't want that to come off as that I'm not. I'm saying we should believe victims, but we should also be able to analyze accusations from perspective, from the point of view that we as women may view things that men do on dates as sexually aggressive and could be fall into the line of you know, this is harassment or this is, this is assault or could be considered assault or I view it that way. So please stop doing that. Mm -hmm. Like 
overzealous pursuance Mm -hmm. and, and, and all that, you know, some people find that fun. Like there's, there's kinks with that. Some people find things that could be considered sexual assault consensual. Yeah. So if we can't have a adult conversation about this. Yeah. Then everybody's at fault. I always say talking is the sexiest thing. Yes. (laughs) And, and, and make sure that y- talking isn't necessarily just making sure that you have a yes. It's making sure that there's a level of trust and comfortability. Mm-hmm. And that's consent to me. Yeah. If, if I feel that I've given my trust to you, mm-hmm. you have my consent. Yeah. Does that consent mean every time? No. No, yeah. But and you I mean, read like, the situation. Even in the aftercare. Yes. That's very, very important. I mean, no matter what kind of sexual relationship you're having, it's fine to, at the end, be like, did you like that I did this? Yes. Would you like to do this again? It's 100% awkward and uncomfortable in some cases. Some like, cases. It doesn't have to be. Well, I think, so I'm coming at it from the point of view of being raised Catholic. Mm. There's a lot of internalized weirdness that I have with sex. Mm -hmm. And that's just because of how I grew up. It's things that I have to get over and I'm trying. So because I was never allowed to ask questions. Yeah. Like what to do after. Yeah. Like that's is so hard. Yeah. For some people. And that's, I'm including myself. So that's why I'm like, this is like so important. We should be able to talk about that. And talking is the number one thing that takes any type of stigma away. It's mm-hmm. not on mental health issues, on, on sex issues, on everything. Talking and communicating with someone on an even keel level, like yeah. without any type of emotion. I mean, I say well, not emotion, but in, without any type of competition, mm-hmm. like t- picking a side, taking all sides and kind of, using what works for you and i think that's kind of something that bdsm culture is about yeah and it's it's not just about physicality Mm -hmm. there's bdsm cultures around sensuality Mm -hmm. around a lot of that so like that's the stuff yeah it's a good conversation starter movie yeah totally oh yeah totally and i mean like even going just back to like the small like not just like the grand uh, culture talking but just like the you and your partner or mm-hmm. partners yeah of don't go into it with feeling like shame or regret or like oh you've had better in the past or none of the, like that yeah. sort of fear sort of element to it it's just like this person has enjoyed being with you for this time being well, i've always thought we need to take the competition mm-hmm. aspect out of sex in general yeah like no one needs to keep score yeah no one needs to be called a slut or every other myriad of names that you can think of yeah if you and your partner are getting pleasure in this moment that's what matters yes yes (laughs) (laughs) bam like you will talk about and figure out the rest of it later yeah okay good review I wanted to talk about the, the marketing change of this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I noticed that when we were going to see if it was on Amazon, that they completely changed the poster of it. The original poster is so much better. Yeah. And now it's, it's supposed to look like Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes. They've changed the marketing. Even the tie. Yeah. 
that's the, the tie. It's not Maggie Gyllenhaal on the cover. It's some other brunette with a tie on her neck. Yeah. And it's, what does it say? It's like the, ori- the original. The original the Mr. Mr. Gray. Gray. Yeah. I don't like that. This movie is not that movie. No. No. Well, this movie explores themes that I don't feel like Twilight ever has. And seeing as the it's Fifty Shades of Grey, it's always started out as Twilight fan fiction. And what I have read of it, I personally didn't find any of it sexy. I find it creepy because it crosses a line. I think Fifty Shades of Grey comes at BDSM outside of the BDSM community. Mm-hmm. It, it's the sensationalized bullshit. Dominance is not about full and utter control. Right. And that's what Fifty Shades has always read alike. Mm-hmm. And I, I say this knowing that I have backed myself into a corner <laughs> and we will be watching it for the Patreon. Yep. But I, I think it's good that we watch this first. Yes. Okay. So uh, let's rate this booker. Ah, uh, do you want to go first? You, I went first last time. Okay, I give this movie four James Spader's peering around the corner. <laughs> I, I actually, I went up in my rating uh, a little bit after when we were talking about it. Because, man, that was, I think, a very good conversation we just had. I do, too. I really like when we have these, like, unexpectedly good conversations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we knew the movie was going to be good because mm-hmm. we've both seen it. But, like, I don't think we really thought about it. No, yeah. We hadn't seen it in a long time. The culture has changed. And that's something that we deal with a lot here yeah. on The Cutaways. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I'm going to give this movie four and a half. Mm. Pearl encrusted hairnets. <gasps> yes. Yes. That's my kink right there. <laughs> it was hot. Yeah. Her braid crown was hotter. Though. Oh my fucking God. I love braid crown. Thank okay, you yeah. to all the boys for bringing that back. Yes. Need that. You know how I've been, whenever my hair is long, I always try to yeah. do it. I'm always doing it, and now I'm glad it's back in fashion, <laughs> and I'm growing my hair out again. You're going full Laura Jean. Yes. Oh, God. And just Maggie was hot in this movie. Yeah, Maggie was really hot in this movie. Yes. Yes. And without it being, like you said, super explicit, any male gaze feelings, it's... Yes. Well, it's, it, it's fascinating yeah. to me. And I think, just reading the Wikipedia, I think a lot of that comes from... The, the filmmaker, the, the team itself, mm-hmm. was very female-heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, Maggie was very involved mm-hmm. um, in how certain things were going to be to be done. I think she ended up being a producer. Mm. You had a lot of female hands in this. Like, the, it was written by a woman. The director worked very heavily with the writer. They both are credited as having story by mm-hmm. um, while she has the screenplay credit. Um, but I just felt like... This is this is what happens when you have that good relationship mm-hmm. between you're allowing the filmmakers as a team yeah. to have those conversations. Mm. And and I felt like the director really was open to to collaborating, not yeah. just domineering. Yeah, bitches, <laughs> bringing it full circle. <laughs> okay, we have some mail. 
a mailbag. We've got a review from Deconstructing Damsels Ooh, podcast. That's perfect for this one. Yes. <laughs> this uh, this review is entitled Digital Digital. I, I think I think it's in re- reference to the NSYNC song. Oh, uh, okay. Digital Digital Get Down. Oh, I don't remember. Just you and me. I'm I'm sorry. I I wiped that movie from my Brain. Well, we're talking about it right here. Here's the review. Anyone okay. who willingly watches <laughs> on the line in 2018 should be given a reward. So a review it is. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to two friends talk about the insanity of pop boy bands in the turn of the century is endearing and funny. The movie is terrible, <laughs> but the episode isn't. It's all about looking back and enjoying nostalgia while poking fun at the awful storyline that makes no sense. You can't go wrong when you're hanging on the line to chat with these ladies. Wow. That's like the best thing that could come out of that (laughs) stupid fucking movie. Such high praise. Check out that episode, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much, Deconstructing Damsels, who always chats with us on Twitter. What is up? Thanks. Thank you. I'm never on the Twitter. I'm sorry. It's all Justine. Digital, digital, get down. Mm. Just you and me. Hey, next time. Next time on the podcast. Next time. Next time. We are watching 2002's My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yes. A staple of the genre. This was a lovely independent film that kind of shook things up, I feel. I felt like this was a very nice love story to Chicago. Yes. Like, that's what I think of when I think of My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yes. And that's why the sequel was so disappointing. Yes. 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 Well, that and John Corbett. You know, I have to love John Corbett. He was, I got dailies for him on the first time to no, all the boys. And, and I remember he was also on, on set at where I was working at the yeah. same time on your set. Yeah. And we were texting each other about how wonderful John Corbett is. Yes. <laughs> He's so fantastic. Yes. He is like the the biggest flirt <laughs> one two he's like just a teddy bear like yeah he's so sweet and he's game for having fun yes so more a uh, john corbett gushing next time yes meanwhile if you want an episode early if you want extra content if you want stickers and magnets and other wonderful things mailed to you we have a patreon and it has all of these things and i'm there and i'm talking to you and i love you you can become a patron for as little as one dollar one dollar early episodes dollar dollar bills y'all free ramblings from us that's our content that's our brand yep (laughs) it's patreon.com slash cutaways podcast and we'll see you over there because you're going there right now our website is thecutaways.com, and you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. All of those links are on our website. Even our Patreon link is on our website. Everything's on the website. Yeah. And we would be eternally grateful and love you forever if you left us comments anywhere on the internet, but especially like a rating. Preferably somewhere where we could see it. Yeah. Let us know <laughs> on iTunes or Stitcher. Those Let Justine know. Yeah. I don't want to know. No, I do. I want I want Justine to know like how much everybody loves her hard work because as I've said before, Justine is really the one who like controls the podcast because I'm dominating. Yes. 
I'm just the one who yells into a microphone and provides the cute dog. <laughs> That's all I need. I'm here for Xander. I'm here for you. <laughs> it's okay. We really know it's for Xander. Um, check us out everywhere you listen to podcasts. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's it. it. You sure? Yeah. It okay. was lovely having you here listening to us. Talk about BDSM. Yeah. Leave us comments. Yeah. And tell us if you agree with what we said. Yeah. If not, tell us that you disagreed. Yeah. Thanks for joining Joining our our slumber slumber party. (laughs) Why was that a question? (laughs) Bye. Bye. At the Targeted Podcast, we tell stories of women, men, and children who were targeted by domestic abuse. Some survive. He saw I was no longer playing with him. That's when all hell broke loose. Some die. He carved out a life for himself. It was a life that came to an untimely end. None will ever be the same. She repeatedly asked for help for domestic abuse and found very little. We investigate cases of family violence using academic research to help us interpret the events. I'm a college professor, and I think we need to stop making family violence a secret. It's time to tell our stories, use our experiences to help, to heal, and provoke change. You can find Targeted True Crime Domestic Violence on iTunes, Google Play, and all the major podcast platforms. I'm Mo Blackwell, the host of Targeted. Peace, my friends. Peace.